Hello and welcome to a new English edition of my podcast Helium Talk, das Kunstgespräch. My name is Jörg Heikos. This is show number 60 and it's a little bit different today. All right, I hope you're all doing great this time of year. I'm good and this week I will keep the intro to a minimum because in this show I have no guest and I haven't even recorded it myself. This is my speech from the creative morning session I was so kindly invited to speak at last month. The topic was Muse. I believe I said everything I had to say about Muse in the 30 minutes you get as a speaker. So here all that is left to do is to send out a very warm and big thank you to the nice team of volunteers from the Creative Mornings Hamburg chapter, to the large number of guests that came to hear me speak and a special one to Rachel Bayerlein, who invited me and said all those nice things about me in her introduction, which is the starting point for this special episode of the Helium Talk podcast. Welcome to Creative Mornings. It's really great to see so many new faces today. I have a question for you all. We asked you this morning as you came in on your icebreaker tags, who is your muse or what is your muse? Who was kind of confused by the question and wasn't exactly sure what to write on the tag? Okay, so the most of us. Um, I actually had the same issue when I was approached with this topic. I was trying to figure out whether or not muse in this day and age actually has any purpose or relevance. And that's what I'm really excited to hear Jörg talk about today, because this is the topic that is changing, I think, in this ever digital and um, expanding world. And that's why I'm so excited to welcome you all to our analog event. Creative Mornings has been in existence since 2008 and exists here in Hamburg Since 2016, we are the 130th chapter. There are now 207 um, throughout the world. And uh, we are all, or a lot of us, are talking about Muse today. And after we're done with this event, if you're curious to see how Berlin or Düsseldorf or New York or Chicago or somewhere in Brazil, Sao Paulo, is interpreting Muse, feel free to come on our website and see what it's all about. So um, our topic today is Muse, and uh, Jörg may not know this, but uh, he kind of was my Muse last summer. Um, so Creative Mornings at the time was on a break, and I didn't know where to find out what was happening here in Hamburg, and I stumbled across Helium Talk and was incredibly inspired by the different types of artists that he had uh, on his podcast. And so when I finally got a chance to meet him one year later, because <laughs> you know how scheduling goes, It was really exciting and interesting to meet him because he's what we call in American English a renaissance man. Because a renaissance man is a person whose expertise spans a significant number of various subject areas. So Jörg has worked in a factory, he's worked at a brewery, he's been a journalist, he's been a COO if I'm not mistaken. He has an alter ego or an identity as an artist, as Alex Diamond. He is also an artist and uh, is Helium Cowboy Gallery. So he's a man with a lot of expertise and a lot of inspiration. He's been inspiring for me. And as he always says, a cowboy's work is never done. So let's invite our cowboy to the stage. And uh, everybody, welcome Jörg. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. 
I didn't prepare any kind of slide show that makes sense in terms of what I'm saying about it. It's just 60 images. I painfully selected yesterday. It took a long time to pick them up from my life, my work, everything I basically do. Uh, and it just runs in the background. It also gives me it's a feeling of time because they all, all these slides run 30 seconds. So I know when I'm at 55, I have to start with the topic and stop introducing myself. So you have to find some images in there that relate to what I'm talking about. Some won't, but most of them will. And the very first one is a special one. That's why I asked you to, to stop this one. This is a photo you'll never see again, except, of course, on the video and forever on the Internet. I've never shown this. It's very old. It's from 1992. It's actually me painting the very first real muse in my life. Um, my wife of today um, and of that time. And that's in Halle. I went to East Germany after the wall came down. Uh, which is also probably one thing that um, was important in my life and my career and what I've done. I always went on journeys. I always looked for something to kick my inspiration anew. And when the wall came down, for me, it was immediately clear I had to go over to East Germany and live and work there. Um, and, well, you know, great thing was I found my wife. That's also my wife. There's not many more pictures of my wife. My wife. Some are still in there. Um, and I don't want to bore you now with uh, with how hard it is uh, to stay together for almost you know 30 years soon, um, but it's um, it's a very important part of of my history. So who am I? I um, Rachel tried to explain that. It's pretty difficult to explain uh, not necessarily who I am, but what I've done and what's my job. Um, I have worked at a factory um, uh, when I was young, when I was still at school to make money. I have worked at a brewery long time before craft breweries were invented at a really traditional brewery in Cologne. Uh, it was a very good experience. Uh, introduced me to not just consuming alcohol, but also drinking it um, and getting paid in alcohol. This is also a nice thing. When you work at a brewery, you get paid in alcohol. Uh, in beers, uh, partly. <laughs> Today I'm doing labels for a craft beer company and I'm actually paid by them in beer. <laughs> um, there's no money, you know, that goes around. But so I did all these things. I, I worked as a photographer, I worked for bands, I was deeply into music, um, making it a little bit, but mostly consuming it, being on every independent concert in Cologne that was on. Uh, anybody knows, uh, I just want to, you know, sort of shout out to Rose Club, who doesn't exist anymore, best independent club of the 90s, 80s and 90s <coughs> in Cologne. Um, spent my time and money there, um, which meant I had to work harder to make more money to go to concerts every night. Um, and, uh, and then started working for bands. I made uh, cover sleeves for them, I made photos for them, and, and I, I, I slipped into a job at a newspaper, helping them out with photos, started to write. And, what, and the, the two dreams actually I had in school, what I wanted to do with my life, the three actually, was I wanted to be a journalist or an artist, and I wanted to travel. And I wanted to marry a French woman, but that didn't work out. But still, um, my wife has a French name, though. You know, so. And I traveled the world with my wife uh, later. And um, so I, I, through that, I got the job at this newspaper. So that was when the wall came down. That was a job at a newspaper. That's where I went. And then for three years, I was working as a journalist. Then I went traveling for a year. Then I worked for a journalist in Cologne at a tabloid, figured out that's the worst place you can work at. I don't know if anyone was working at Bildzeitung or Morgenpost or something like that. It's probably completely different now, but at that time, Jesus Christ, people that work there, you know, forget about it. Um, no inspiration at all. <clears throat> um, then uh, you know, I, I came, uh, I, I started to work at a company that 
created online uh, content for the French company very early, like in 96. Uh, and um, I worked with a friend of mine who was there, he was the creative director, he was an Australian artist. Um, we opened a small agency together, uh, which was called Killer Canoe. And because both of us were exhibiting uh, artists, he wasn't not exhibiting in Germany, but he was exhibiting in Sydney, where he came from before, in, in Adelaide in Australia. Uh, John Peplo, he's probably also one of my muses, because uh, he was uh, this 10-year-older artist, creative director, guy who came to Germany to not make any art at all. He said, I'm never going to do any art in Germany, only when I'm back in Australia. He's back in Australia now, but uh, at that time he didn't do any art, but I couldn't convince him to go to one of my exhibitions I had in Cologne. And he told me, you have all the time in the world, you know, because as an artist, you're always very impatient. But I did this exhibition, he said, he looked at my work, he said, you have all the time in the world. He was exhibiting already at the Sydney Biennale and stuff, so he was like the bigger artist of both of us, probably until today, you know, even though he doesn't practice art anymore. But he was a big influence, and together we founded this, this creative agency because it was kind of a different thing to do, you know, to just go there uh, with a different approach. We worked for Lego, we worked for Volvo, just tiny projects for them, but they hired us because we were different. We were the guys that worked like artists, like staying up until four o'clock, uh, uh, working on presentations that we presented on, um, on, on napkins in the bars where we worked out the, 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 the people loved us just for being storytellers and for being different. And, and that's how I came to the grand title of COO and later actually CEO um, <clears throat> because there was this, uh, the, something called the new economy was starting up and there was this big Swedish company agency. They wanted to buy us. They wanted to merge with, uh, with us. And we thought that's a great thing, you know, just not having to make all the money ourselves anymore. I don't have to do the fight. And what we do with Killer Canoe here, the small thing, we built this big because our vision was different. Our vision was to make enough money to open an office in Australia to buy a shed on the beach or close to the beach where we can do our work, buy another shed on the beach where we hire an old Greek lady to run an ouzo bar for us. And then every time we finish an artwork, we take it out on the ocean and we burn it. Um, we didn't really produce any art during that time, as you may imagine, because then you know, we would have probably seen the value of art differently. But that was our mission goal. When then in the new economy, everything about was about having fun and change. These offices, they're you know, like a good example of they, these kind of offices didn't exist before the new economy. So even the new economy failed completely uh, just on a financial thing. There's a lot of things that we still have. We still have the internet, for example, which some people didn't believe would still exist. I had to go to companies and was paid a lot of money to consult them after the crash and after I've left my job <clears throat> just to tell them, the question was, yeah, what do we do? Do we still have to go online? Do we still have to do e-commerce? And my answer, very well-paid answer, was, uh, uh, well, yeah, still, the internet is there. You can't get rid of it. So just, you know, get on. Yeah. And, um, but, but so there I was CEO of a company that was uh, publicly listed here in Germany. We had uh, four offices. Um, I was also responsible for an office in, 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 in Basel and one in Austria. I had like 350 people under my hood, under my guidance, whatever, and, and I've, I'm elaborating on this one a lot because that almost killed anything that was Muse-like in me. Um, if you're a creative person like me and you always, I always did art through all these years, through all these jobs, I always continued to produce art, never done many shows or stuff, but I've always painted. The three years I was working for that company, I didn't paint the one painting. I did not go to any exhibitions or museums, even though I traveled extensively around the world holding speeches for thousands of people about project management processes and all these things. 
And uh, I learned a lot, but the, the thing that was dying was my family. Already had a kid, um, a young kid when we came to Hamburg. Um, and this job killed my relationship with my wife completely because I was always on the road. Um, there's always something very important to do for me, always, all the time. Um, apparently, you know, sort of, uh, not necessarily, but you know that. If you're in, a, in an office and in a company and you're kind of responsible for so many people, there's always something, always a phone call, always an email, always something to think about, always someone to meet, always try to make money, things like that. And, and I think one of the special things of, of, of my main muse, which, you know, is my wife, um, is that we managed to break up and get together kind of immediately. You know, it took a long time, it was very painful. Uh, and that actually is the moment that set me free in my art to decide, okay, that's it. I've done enough of these jobs. I've learned a lot about marketing, about journalism, about hard work, hard labor. Um, I've also was building, constructing all the time stuff. So I became more and more a carpenter uh, um, uh, because that was also always in my mind to maybe I just go and do a crafts job, you know, get rid of all this, no, no more computers, no more of these things. And I did, the first thing I did <clears throat> in 2001 was an exhibition. So I, I quit my job. Um, I bought canvases, I bought oil paint, and I made an exhibition that was called All My Friends for Sale. Um, and it was like 60 oil paintings, 40 by 80 centimeters, 60 by 80, 40 by 60 centimeters, uh, everything in oil. I took images um, from parties, from friends, and I reduced them to basically their the gestures, how they hold themselves. You have every one of us, each one of us, has uh, a certain way of how we hold each other in certain situations. I mean, you have your hands like this, and that doesn't mean you're praying. It's just the way it's comfortable for you. Don't think about it. Getting, picking out people in that moment was important for me. So I painted. I, I've tried to freeze the moments with my friends, which I didn't have all these last years. And then I did the show in a, in, a, in a gallery in Hamburg that's no longer in existence, unfortunately. It's the Art Store St. Pauli in Wolwilstraße. It's a legendary space because it basically that's where cheap art was born. Uh, Jim Avion, Sam, um, 4000, um, DM, Deutschmark Bob, all these artists, great artists, never really wanted to make a lot of money with their art. They just wanted to make art. That's an inspiration as well if you look for a muse. Like, 4,000, Thomas Egler, the artist that I've met there then, who was exhibiting there, still a very good friend of mine. And every time he comes, I, f I feel totally inspired. Not just, you know, just I don't have to go off and make a new artwork, but uh, he's an inspiration for me. He's the best painter I've ever seen. And this may not be true, you know, but for me, he, I've, I've never seen any painter that's better than him. And a few years ago, I had the privilege of creating a work with him. We did the trophies for the Hans Musikpreis. That's always individual trophies. Every artist who wins in any category gets a trophy. The first year I did, um, from wood, I built a little uh, cassette player, you know, sort of, uh, which was then like the, 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 uh, the, the trophy that they got. And then for the next year, I built a small record player just from wood. And, and I asked Tho Thomas to create the vinyl on wood. I cut out the wood and he just created the vinyl and went over the vinyl with it. So it was like, you know, colored vinyls, which I personally, as somebody who likes records, I don't like colored vinyls. But this, these vinyls, are they're, they're perfect, they're brilliant. And, um, but this exhibition basically set me free and that was what led to the foundation of, of Helium Cowboy. Um, I was looking for, a, for, a, for, for, for an, um, a space to work as an artist. I found a great space in St. Pauli, Sternstraße. Um, and because it was so beautiful and because I can't sit still, 
for five minutes, I immediately decided I have to show other artists as well here. For me, other artists is also a very important inspiration, you know, and that's why I love working with them. But that when Helium Call became a big gallery and we went to all the fairs in Miami and Basel and New York, so I, my art went a little bit in the background again. <laughs> And that's where I came up with Alex Diamond. And just in the beginning, you saw one image, the one with my wife when we're standing there and I look like a pimp. There's the first incarnation, there's the first incarnation of Alex Diamond. That's not how it looked during the day. But when I did this show, Alex Diamond, uh, the first Alex Diamond show, I, I thought I'd make um, the series I was making. It's a very important show. It was the first exhibition in that space, in my new space. Um, well, it was the second with my work, but it was the first time when I had really time in that space because the space is also important, but you have to kind of uh, you conquer the room that you're working in. It, it took me a while to figure that very particular space in Sternstraße out. So I did the series and that was like, for me, it was a beautiful series. I don't know, looking back, it's terrible work, but, um, but that's also good. You know, I mean, going back to your work of early work, if you love everything you've done, then, you know, so you probably haven't really developed now, or it was really great. You know, I mean, there's a lot of artists who did great work. I think in the beginning, my work was mediocre. <laughs> um, and um, so I did this exhibition and there was always this sofa and different people on it and there's, uh, uh, and I altered it and there was the uh, collage that I made and from which I painted these, these, these characters on the same sofa, like 10 large paintings all on the same sofa. And, but I had this little slide show where you could look through, you know, like you saw the original, you had to make a decision, do I go and check out the original? Um, because then there's no way of return. You've understood what I was doing the painting looked completely different, so I played with this. So I thought, it's a great idea to have somebody else. You know, who's, who, who does this sofa belong to? There's going to be one, uh, um, one image in there from a good friend of mine. His name is Mario, and uh, he's still one of my best friends. And, uh, and I have a farmhouse in the north now, and he just lives two kilometers from there. He was born there. Uh, we're getting closer and closer the older we get. Um, but he was living next door at that time. That's how I met him. And in the morning on our morning coffee, we picked out the name Alex Diamond uh, on a website that I don't know whether it still exists, but it was new then. And it was called mypornname.com. So we, we had fun with that. And in the end, you know, Alex Diamond stuck because it's also, yeah, it's not gender specific, anything. And the show is called Alex Diamond's Strange Sofa. So I thought, okay, let me be Alex Diamond that night, you know, just for the show. And I dressed up as a pimp and... Uh, my wife had the cowboy hat, and we had a band playing, and um, uh, and it was really good fun. And I was performing as you know how this guy was. All these people come to visit his sofa. Um, uh, figured out that evening is very difficult if the gallerist is performing that night, and there's no gallerist on the floor to sell the works. But it still worked out in a way. And then this name stuck, and it still stuck stuck with me until today. Even though now I'm. Uh, Alex Diamond, a.k.a. Jörg Heikos, or Jörg Heikos, a.k.a. Alex Diamond. And I, um, where did you hide the numbers, actually? Uh, ah, on the computer. Ah, that's cool. Um, and um, and uh, uh, I, I, I turned this into an anonymous project. So nobody actually knew who Alex Diamond was at a certain time. We went to the fairs in Miami and in New York, and nobody knew me there. So it was easy to say, well, you know, Alex Diamond, uh, he traveled with us, but he's not here. So I wrote a blog. 
online blog, Alex Diamond uh, Miami Diaries, where he, Alex Diamond wrote about me and my assistant being in, in Miami and the fun we had at all the fairs and the parties and with him, but he was never there. And that kind of developed for a few years um, into uh, that I was running this project as an, and that was the artist, artistic concept of that. Um, and I wrote a book about it, made a book, Being Alex Diamond, uh, which was pretty good. It was about, can you establish an artist that doesn't exist? Y yes, you can. You know, but basically that's the bottom line, but the book. And then I was kind of, it was very difficult to make good work. It was very difficult to make shows because nobody should know who is this. You had to go to galleries and said, you can show Alex Diamond, but I'll be there with the team and you will never see the person behind it. And that was kind of getting really, really difficult. So I, I changed my, changed the profile picture of Alex Diamond on Instagram from one of the drawings into my face. Uh, that was basically the, the coming out of Alex Diamond. Um, and since then, the name stuck, but that was actually the moment I already started to work with wood. I mean, carving with wood, which is the majority of my work um, now. Um, and I finally developed to become the artist that I'm today and that I really wanted to be. This is the work I wanted to do all my life, and I'm doing it now. And it's just getting better for me. And I'm getting less and less interested in what people say about it, too. That's good. The good thing about getting older, the good thing about being an independent artist, of course, having collectors who buy it, that, of course, helps a lot. I understand that. But yeah, that's, <clears throat> that's basically, you know, sort of everything in a nutshell. Today, Helium Cobra does not exist as a traditional gallery. It's again my studio. We do a few shows. I do the Helium Talk podcast, um, which is also kind of a source of inspiration because I speak with people that inspire me. Not all of them inspire me, of course. There are some people I just find interesting. But curiosity is a very important aspect in that as well. And, uh, well, you, you can listen to that and uh, hear about that. So this was my very, very long introduction, getting to the topic... <laughs> Getting to the topic of, sorry, yeah, to, yeah. I think that it all comes together in that sense. You know, I think that the traditional, in the traditional sense of amuse, yes, I can can respond to that. It's my wife. As always, I have to be open. Always, other women. It can be. I mean, um, there's 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 a song that inspires me. For example, it can be people I don't know. Uh, when I was working last year in my studio on a on a new series for a show, I was listening a lot to the Idols, which is really really strong, powerful music, and you can listen to them. these guys are really really good, and a lot of that is in the work. But I'm a total jazz enthusiast, and jazz has always been my most important music. And I just discovered this record, Ella Fitzgerald and uh, and uh, and Louis Armstrong, and they sing the nearness of you. The nearness of you is a beautiful song. It's really a beautiful song. It also is about a woman. And a man, you know, love. Um, but <clears throat> it goes into the work. It is actually at one point I was standing there and was writing down the text. It's on my studio wall. I have a studio up north in the countryside. I wrote that on the wall. That was basically all evening because I had to figure out what they actually sing. I wanted to know the text, you know, not just a few things. Yeah, this guy in the back, that's the guy I do the beer with, Oliver Veselo. He was here too in one of the creative mornings at some point. So... Um, it's just part of, of everything, everything, uh, 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 everything I do, you know, sort of, I forgot to mention that also making beer, um, and drinking it, <clears throat> it doesn't show, but, you know, not all the time. Um, so, 
So in a in a in a you know, let me get to that, that point of 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 muse again. So uh, in a traditional sense, yes, my wife. It's but it's it's a very old-fashioned understanding of muse because I know a lot of artists when you talk with them about muse, they don't have anything like that. Me, I'm inspired by music, as I said, I'm inspired by many things. But do you really call them that muse? I mean, Ella Fitzgerald could come to that, but what would my relationship to her really be except of listening to old records? She's long gone. She's left a legacy of work. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and when I work, I can listen to that all the time, but I can also do these carvings and have a Netflix series running next to my desk and listening to that as, you know, sort of when I'm just carving for hours and hours and hours because it just kind of entertains me too. So where does, where's, the, where's the blend of having an other artist, a musician as your muse or as entertainment? Uh, and how much are we as artists also parts of an entertainment industry today with basically presenting most of the stuff we're doing constantly on Instagram and all these things. If you listen to my podcast, we talk about this all the time because that's a very interesting topic. How far away does this actually take us from what we are supposed to be doing as artists or what we want to do? Um, and and so I think in the traditional sense, you mind Greek mythology, that's very, very far away. But for some people, this may be something that where they have all these elements that inspire them. Uh, the traditional muse, even the one that, you know, like Picasso's muses, 17-year-old girls, um, Yoko Ono, uh, John Lennon, everybody loved John Lennon. Most of John Lennon fans hated Yoko Ono, even though she's super responsible for a lot of, you know, the greatness in his work in his later years. Um, there's, I worked with, a, I've actually worked with, uh, with an artist in Cologne at one point, uh, Ha Schuld is his name, and he actually has a muse running next to him all the time, uh, Eike Koschka, that is his muse, they, they're married I think, they're together, she's this crazy looking, super kind, uh, in her own very, very beautiful person that really inspires, he goes to her. He asked her, he leans on her shoulder, he needs her, he could not produce work without her. I can produce work without my wife probably not the influence that she had on my life, but uh, she is not important in every stage of what I'm doing now in my art. She has never listened to one of my podcasts, for example. She's not here today because she has other more important things to do. Um, I love her for that, you know, but it's still, you know, I mean, that's, how far do you go with, with, this, with this person? So I think... <clears throat> Uh, when I, you know, I thought it's super easy. When, when Rachel asked me, invite, they said, you want to speak to these topics? And I said, oh, Muse, that's easy. It's going to be a walk in the park. I'll just go there and I'll just talk for half an hour and, you know, everybody's <laughs> going to be happy. But then I looked into it and um, I was like, yeah, well, this is going to be harder uh, than I thought because there's so many different aspects to actually that. And if you go away here, you may probably want to take something with you in terms of, oh, you yeah, know, I understand Muse better. But I think there's nobody who can tell you about muse. You can only do the same thing that, that I've been doing. And, 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 these, and these people that are actually, I mean, who has the privilege? I was thinking about that. I'm super privileged because I'm together, married with this, together with the same woman for a long time. And we have two kids, if you saw in these images, and one is like he's grown up. He's running the gallery now, by the way. He's 21, Melvin. Uh, he's not here because this is too early for him. <laughs> um, he's still cuddling up with his girlfriend. Um, he goes, comes to work later, but he does a good job. But I mean, he's already taking over my work in some respect. The other one is very tiny. You know, he's like eight. He goes, but you'll have to bring him to school every morning. Uh, we had this big gap. And every time I talk about this, everything, oh, okay, it's okay. And, uh, and, and, and the first one is with your first wife. And I said, no, it's the same wife. You know, it's just one, one bunch. We just took a long time, you know. Uh, with the second one, and um, and that is that is also you know sort of something that you, you can't buy with money or you can can't plan for. I mean, if I wouldn't have gone to East Germany, if the wall wouldn't have come down, I would have never met my wife. 
So I'm not even responsible for that. Uh, because as most people in my generation, we weren't really interested in getting one country with East Germany. It was like a different country, you know? It was like Poland. Everybody speaks German. Um, but not everybody, but most, most, a lot of people spoke Russian too. <laughs> uh, so so th that's the point. Where can you have that? The friend Mario, that, oh, that's actually Mario. Perfect timing. That's my friend Mario. He, um, he is an artist, uh, but he's actually a, a, a craftsman all his life. He, the, he lays tiles for a living. He is 55 years old and he is, his body has gone through a lot. If, if you're always on construction site for your whole life. But he loves to do art, very crazy art. I exhibited him in, in Hamburg with a show once. I think it's probably his last big, big, uh, last large show. Big show was called Note Art because he's the Note Art. You know, he made his car into this Note Arts car, emergency, you know, rescue car. And just said, he's the Note Art, you know. And... Um, and that was good fun, and he builds stuff, he builds motorcycles, uh, he builds all these things. And when I met him, he was together with a woman that is called Muse, that's her nickname. Um, and they're separated for good reasons and for a long time. But in, in contra contrast to, to me, or, or Muse, for example, who have been into tattooing since, I don't know, 30 years, for a long time, Mario was not tattooed at all. He got one tattoo when he was in that relationship, and that spells Muse, M-U-S-E. And it's in the back of his neck, so like very visible, you know. But it doesn't really matter to him. As, a, as a, somebody who lays tights, you always get a job if you're tattooed or not, you know, that people need these people to do that. And, uh, and as an artist, it doesn't matter as well. And for me, he's still an artist. Now his art is building bikes. But so they broke up. <clears throat> um, and even though when they were still together, he told me what he was going to do when they were breaking up with his tattoo. And that's what he did today. Uh, there were two options. <clears throat> he could just make museum out of it. <laughs> but what does a museum have in your in back? So what he did in the end was he put an A in front and a D at the back, and it's amused. So he's constantly amused, even though he's not. I know, he can be very grumpy. But, um, but basically, that's he has muse on his, on his, on his, tattooed on his neck. And this woman, you know, was trying very hard to, and I'm pretty sure she's been and she still is the muse to many, many people. Um, and maybe for these few years to Mario as well. Um, but he wasn't as lucky as, as I. I have not tattooed the name of my wife somewhere. Um, but it's, uh, I don't have to, you know. So I think Muse can also, I mean, the things that, 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 that this basically, basically story tells, the person is one thing. It can be a person. And I was thinking then, what else, um, what else can it be? Oh, actually, on that part, um, no, I'll talk about that. So if you, if you have this one person, exactly, there's one big problem. can be that you depend on that too much. And I think one thing as an artist that you should not do is depend on anything depend on the opinion of others or one person alone. Uh, have somebody to lean on because as an artist, we all hit that brick wall where it's nothing is happening, nothing's going on. You can't continue, you don't know what to do. You don't know where you're at. And now even, even I mean, the, even if, if you're doing this very, for a very long time, there's no, there's no knowing if I will sell one more painting after today, if I will have any other exhibition next year. Uh, if I will be able to create create any output that's worthwhile being shown, um, so you always have your, your own criticism that prevents that. And and if you have one person that you depend upon, what happens when this person you know sort of lets you down or is not there anymore or is probably not the influence you need at that certain time in your life? Do you look for another person? So you try always to be dependent on a person. And as an artist, I think that is very 
that can be very dangerous. You know, it can be very helpful. I mean, in the case of Harald Schuld and Elke Koschka, that's pretty fruitful, that's super. Um, I met them really up close and personal, but they, they, they seem to work. But for me, that's, that's also not an option. So um, I think also then, you know, sort of the music digital in a sense is, is a female that, pff, I don't know, you know, is that still, you know, up to date today? I mean, this, you know, does it have to be erotic relationship to somebody that inspires you? Uh, or the, the chance or the, the idea of it? I mean, if your muse is somebody famous, of course, you can always think about how great it would be to, to, to have a personal sexual relationship with a person. But what does it mean for your art? And in that respect, men are far easier influenced by that. They made this one test. I don't know, have you heard of that test? They made a test. They gave uh, people um, the job to, to write a story. <clears throat> um, one part of the group they had to write a story about themselves to a person they wanted to meet over a dating site. This person was a beautiful woman or a beautiful man. And the others got a photo of a street. And they should write a street. Write, write, write. With the men, it's like the ones, the, the le these letters, these introductions that write to the women, to this, you know, sort of uh, uh, non-existing women, beautiful women. They were prosaic. They were beautiful. They are really strong. This, the text about the streets was just like, you know, sort of garbage on paper. With the women, no difference. No difference. If they write about a street or about uh, 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 if, to this man, they try to bring the best of their creative output on that paper. I mean, it's probably not you know, sort of a very thorough test, but they made this, I think, with 40 people. It was an agency, actually, that did that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's old-fashioned. That doesn't work. Um, I think one... One element that's important, and then I also have to close, is your environment. I think that's something that you have to look upon as an artist. Where are you? How are you? How comfortable do you feel? And if you feel comfortable with, with you know, getting away from everything and having no muse and nothing, just when I go to meet my friend Fergie, the tractor, that's actually in my house up north. That's where you see the tractor a lot. Um, it's. Um, it's a place I can completely calm down. I don't have to listen to music. I like to turn it on, drive around, because the sound of that, that one's amazing. 70 years old, by the way. Um, still runs. Um, um, so very climate neutral almost, you know, for 70 years, I mean. Um, and um, sports, as you can see, I'm a boxer. And this is like a picture of my family, except for my oldest son, he wasn't there, he was traveling. Uh, but this is my parents. It took me a long time to get to my parents, back to my parents, you know? So when you're young, you have problems maybe, and you think differently, and that's also the house. Nobody has actually seen the house. I don't post it on Instagram. I don't post my little kid, and there's a lot of really, you know, scarce people in there, uh, photos in there. Um, but no music, a campfire, unless I make the music myself. So getting away from everything that, for me today, where I'm now, that is really, really inspiring. And that is more important as a muse to me than, than anything else. If I don't know any further, I just, you know, get in the car and drive one and a half hours north and be there, you know, just at this place and take my tractor and drive it across the field. So I'm pretty sure I have not answered the initial question. And there's a lot of stuff on this paper here that I haven't even touched. Um, but this one last thing I want to say, and it's not about muse, I want to thank you to Rachel and the whole team who did this and gave me the opportunity to think about this topic. As I said, thought is a walk in the park. I love to talk in front of people. 
But really coming to a point where you leave people satisfied with this topic, I don't think exists. So thank you, uh, Rachel and the whole team for, for having me today. Um, yeah, enjoy your day. You know, it's, for most of you, it's still early. For me, it's, you know, day is almost half over. Um, I'm going to be in the car driving up to the countryside in three hours. Yeah, and yeah, glad to be here. Thanks. Don't drive away quite yet. We would like to ask you some questions. Does anybody have questions for, for Jörg? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, we have time for about 10 minutes worth of questions. So short and sweet. Uh, no, you can just scream it out, I think. Thank you for coming here. It was an inspiring and interesting talk. Yes. I think a lot of artists and creatives um, do work day-to-day -day jobs, and they have this idea that they'll be able to do their you know, creative work afterwards. So I, my question is, what advice do you have for people who are working day-to-day -day jobs that are creatives, and, um, and how can they get to that, you know, that next step? Quit the job? No, uh, no, I know. I understand that's that's an issue. But I also have to work in other th things still to you know make money. I'm 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 happy that I'm being paid for being Alex Diamond or the artist that I am. But um, I think one one important thing is that you if you if you are creative, it's so easy to give up. If you are if you're an artist, it's the easiest thing is to give up. Um, I think. Just, you know, you just have to get up and continue. You have to set probably what I do a lot. I work in projects. You know, and a lot of people that have day jobs as creatives, they also work a lot in projects. So don't just think about the one painting you want to do. Think about a series of paintings that you want to do. This also gives you more time that you don't have. But if that three, four, five, two paintings are ready, can be a year, can be two, you, um, you know what you've worked on, you know, sort of, and take some of that into your daily life. I mean, inspiration doesn't necessarily, it can come when you're a cab driver and you're, I don't know, in a factory when you work in an agency, you know. Um, just, you know, it's so easy to have that taken away also by the surroundings that you have who want to be supportive, but you have, there's one very, very big element of being an artist and you have to be egoistic. You have to shut the doors. You have to say, I'm doing this now. It makes no sense for anyone. Nobody understands it, but you have to simply take the time. Otherwise, you, you, you get frustrated at some point. You know, and then you stop completely, and then you know, so we don't know what was there. You know, so I think you know, be more egoistic. Thank you. We're going to ask another question. Is this on? Here. Thank you so much. Um, being immersed in a muse situation myself, you Beautiful, spoke yeah. in, the, in the beginning about um, uh, how you were mediocre in your art, yeah, and then you came more to fruition. Um, as an individual, how can you self-monitor? When do you get to be good? I know a lot of artists who never accept their own art. Uh, they're so immersed in being the mm -hmm. creator as opposed to the listening to their muses and mm. just being their uh, presenter of what they heard. <clears throat> well, I think it takes probably a longer time to get. I mean, there's probably a lot of people who are super confident and they think that's really strong. Uh, what they're doing in the moment. I'm always very, I'm, I'm you know happy with what I'm doing. It's looking back that makes it mediocre. Uh, also, I've come to a point where I, I feel confident. I've always been a very confident person, but I know so much and I can do so much now, and I want to do so much now um, with the skills that I have, that I basically have taken the liberty of not giving a fuck what other people think. For me, the work is strong, and um, and. 
you can't wait for that to be supported by others. It might be like in my case, but I mean, there's a lot of haters out there too in the art world. I mean, doing, how many people don't like what I'm doing? Um, but you know, sort of for me, the point where I figured out this is something I do something very unique, and I think nobody does what I'm doing. So, I mean, I mean, I haven't seen it done by anyone, but. But on, on that, you know, I don't like everything that I'm doing all the time. And I think I throw stuff away all the time as well. But what gets out of my studio, what I release, you know, so to say, that's what I'm absolutely, you know, happy about. Okay. Um, I just had a, I don't know, an impression that what you're really talking about and what a lot of these questions are mm -hmm. about is kind of the evolution of Muse through your life allows you to get over certain time periods and for you I see it is your wife or was your wife and then it became yourself being um, Diamond, Alex Diamond mm -hmm. and you know and so I guess my question is do you feel it's a chicken it's chicken or the egg problem you know you, did you get over and then you found Alex Diamond or did you find Alex Diamond and then got over uh, kind of this sticking point and realized what you needed to I, I, I wouldn't even use the, that 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 comparison because I think it's um, I think it's I mean I, I didn't I didn't find Alex Diamond and invented Alex Diamond and Alex Diamond is never my muse maybe for somebody or some other people it might be but for me it was also like a, a battle at some point with with this person and with the ideas I was able to pursue you know and uh, there was a lot of liberty in that involved especially when you're anonymous but there's also a lot of restraints and um, um, and uh, that's that's where I think it was a strong concept with the artwork itself was not strong enough my wife has never left me as being sort of important in a way and being the muse at some points today her job or you know, her job as a muse her, her influence is more you know sort of dragging me out sometimes you know, like when I sit, some I'm not always as happy and cheerful as I'm now. You know, I've, I have these moments where I think, "What the fuck?" You know, I'm just sorry. Do I can I swear on this? Yes, yes. fuck. Um, <laughs> and um, and I'm 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 totally not happy, and I'm dissatisfied because I'm doing an exhibition with an artist, and I should somebody should do an exhibition with me. That doesn't make me ha always happy. I'm doing these great helium talks with artists, and they don't even share that. You know, they appreciate it, and but they don't help me in any way. There's no th nothing that gets back, and I, I that gets in the way of doing my work. I have an unfinished painting in the gallery or my studio for four weeks. I haven't continued that piece. That makes me really unhappy every morning I see it, you know? So my wife helps me to say, okay, look at the big picture. And that this is the first thing that helps I me. Mean, just, you know, wake up, open your eyes, drink your coffee, go outside in the fresh air, get in your tractor, or just think about, you know, what you're capable of doing and think about the liberty that you have as an artist, if not every day, then every four weeks to sit down. So that is her influence today, you know? But yeah, I wouldn't say that she's in, she, she has been in many, many paintings, like the very first one that I showed you. That's her in that beautiful flowery dress that we bought together on some trip that we've made. Hopefully to France, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> you know, can't remember, but it's a beautiful dress. No, in London, we bought that one. We have time for one last yeah. question. I don't mean to cut you off. You're sure. We have one, okay. No pressure. <laughs> All right. I mean, mine's not, I mean, it, it's kind of a question, but it's more of a comment because okay. I just, you know, when you feel like you were meant to be somewhere yeah. and like today was one of those things of like, it was a rainy day, I'm going to work and I, and I had the plan to be here and, um, and then I'm like, okay, I'm coming to a Muse event, but one, so 
it's just really crazy for me. Um, I was born in Miami, so with my family, like Alex Diamond, like you see it all over Wynwood. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I'm literally hearing this. I'm like, literally, you're like speaking what I'm feeling in my heart right now. And okay. it's you. just, yeah, I want to say thank you. All right. Okay, I actually have one last question for you. Yeah. Um, if you were to pick one artist and one musician right now, who are your muses, who would they be? Music is Miles Davis, because that's actually who I listen to. I mean, it sounds like, yeah, it's so cool, Miles Davis, but I mean, I've been listening to Miles Davis since I'm 16, so I think I have the right to say that, to use him. Uh, artist, that has actually changed over the years. Right now, at this very moment, I think with the artist it changes a lot, I would say J. Bo Monk. Jamie Monk is a still living artist uh, from Berlin. I had him on my podcast last week, recorded last week. We know each other for a few years. Jay does amazing work. Uh, he's also my age. And he is currently, for me, so inspiring because he's stepping back. He's making himself invisible. He's been super visible. He's been working. He's, his art hangs on the walls of Alicia Keys and all these people. He's working very closely with the biggest modern art collectors um, because Alicia Keys and her husband, Swiss Beats, they're some of the biggest art, young art collectors in America now. Um, and he's retreating, he's stepping back. He still does his work, but he's not doing any exhibitions. He's not releasing artwork. I mean, the people who buy from him know how to find him, but I felt super inspired by him last week. And only yesterday he posted an image on Instagram and I'm super jealous. He says, I'm taking a step back for a while. And that's, that's an artist, his work is amazing. But also as a person, it's inspired me. And I think, you know, with art, it's very difficult to tell. There's one name. I can't give you one name. I'll give you many. That will do for now. <laughs> Thank right. you so much, Jörg.